You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Shakespeare to Schwartz, from Fosse to Alvin Ailey, from Sondheim to Borellis, from McNally to Faye, it happened to the greats, it still happens every day. When lightning strikes, it's the moment you know. When lightning strikes, where you're meant to go, you can stand and shout your Hi, this is Gerald Brunner, and you're listening to When Lightning Strikes, where we talk about the heart-thumping, tingly, mic-drop moment that led you to becoming an artist. Christina Papajika is a Tony and Olivier Award-winning producer who creates film, television, and theater. Just a few of her productions include the six-time Tony-winning Best musical, Kinky Boots, and the film Lee Daniels' The Butler, starring Forrest Whitaker, Oprah Winfrey, and Jane Fonda. Some of her upcoming movies are Six Minutes to Midnight, starring Judi Dench and Eddie Izzard. She's also producing the movie Worth with Michael Keaton, Stanley Tucci, and Laura Benanti. The film had its premiere at the Sundance Film Festival and was acquired by Netflix and Barack and Michelle Obama's Higher Ground Productions. Worth will be released this September and Six Minutes to Midnight will have its worldwide debut on March 26th. Welcome, Christina. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Daryl. I'm I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's just wonderful to have you. Oh, thank you so much. It's great to be here, and um, it's it's good to hear your voice. It's wonderful to hear your voice. And so, let's start with for people who might not understand what a producer actually does. What do you do? Yeah, it's a great question. And I get it a lot, actually. You know, being a producer is a really interesting role because it's the balancing of the creative and the commerce or the business piece. Um, So, you know, your roles and responsibilities can include everything from acquiring the rights to the original source material or if there's an original book or story um, to attaching a screenwriter or a book writer, um, attaching the rest of your creative team, whether it's a director and or a choreographer, and then 
you know, seeing out the development of the project and then as well, the either the staging of the show uh, on Broadway, if it's a theater piece, um, or the the filming of the project and then eventually the distribution. So, um, you know, you're, you're both the overseeing of the creative process, but also overseeing of, of the business end, um, all the way through either a film's release or, you know, when a, when a show opens on Broadway through the opening and, you know, hopefully with some luck, um, you know, a, a nice healthy run. It's so extraordinary and truly inspiring. And I'd love to know about some of your lightning strikes moments. What ultimately got you to where you are? So can you talk about your childhood and what what inspired you back then to yeah. get to yes sure you know i um i was really lucky because i was um introduced to the arts at a really young age. Um, my mother is an attorney by trade, but she's a classically trained pianist. She studied at Peabody in Baltimore, uh, which is not far from where I grew up in Washington, D.C. And I was surrounded by music and show tunes, and I was really lucky to be able to see theater and, and experience uh, live entertainment from a really young age, um, you know, when the the regional shows would be staged or the touring productions would come through town, um, we would always get tickets and go, and and it was always you know an incredible and magical experience. Um, and and at a young age, I was introduced to dance. So you know, I was in dance classes. I think I was in tap shoes by the time I was four. I, I probably owned <laughs> tap shoes before I owned you know other shoes. Um, and and. I, I just loved it. I was really lucky because what I was already doing, I loved. And, um, and I, I stayed in the dance world. I, you know, when, when the other kids were out playing sports, I was in the dance studio. And um, eventually, by the time I was in high school, I was dancing pre-professionally. So I was studying from incredible instructors and I would come to New York and I would take classes at Broadway Dance Center and, um, you know, back in the days of Frank Hatchett and, you know, Frank. all of these amazing, amazing people. And, um, yeah, it was really inspiring. So I, I spent a lot of time in, in my early childhood and in my life uh, surrounded and, and engulfed by the arts. And you even auditioned for Juilliard. I did. Right? I did. Yeah, which yeah. was such an amazing experience. You know, I, I sort of looking back, I sort of felt like an episode out of out of fame. Although I did not get, I did not get into Juilliard. Um, but it was it was such an amazing experience, and I felt so honored to have been selected to get that audition and just to be surrounded by this incredibly talented group of people and just to just to soak in that experience was was so amazing really amazing do you remember one of the first shows you saw on a stage that or one one that really sticks out to you that you were just transformed yeah, you well, you know, I mean, as a kid, and I feel like this is sort of a rite of passage, uh, at least for my generation, it was, and and maybe for others. But I remember as a kid, you know, the the first musical that I saw was Annie, uh. and which is ironic because I ended up being a part of the producing team of the revival of Annie. It was the thirty five year anniversary wow. later on in my life, and you know, it's the start of my career. But um, yeah, I just I I connected with the story, and um, it was her story was so hopeful. 
You know, she was such a dreamer and such a believer and she had a, mm. a big heart and, you know, I just, I really connected with that and um, yeah, it was great. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And Lenny worked for several prominent producers I did. on Broadway. So how did that ha- So, yes. Yeah, so can you take me to that point? Sure, sure. Well, you know, it's when I, when I didn't get into Juilliard and I didn't, you know, I didn't get placed in, in some of the other, you know, top conservatory programs, which, you know, they, they accept something like one half of 1% of all of their applicants. I mean, I always say that there's more talent than there are opportunities in the world. And um, I was really heartbroken because I had worked so hard and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this just isn't meant to be, you know? Um, and I, I went back and I studied uh, broadcast journalism and communications. And um, I was still taking dance classes, but I really kind of focused on storytelling from another aspect, from another angle. And um, sort of as fate would have it, I ended up being introduced to some people who were working on Broadway. And um, I got an interview with a very prominent group of producers. And, um, you know, I ended up having several amazing conversations with them and they, they hired me and I was still living in, in DC at the time, which is where I grew up. And I remember them saying, well, you know, can you start next week? (laughs) And I thought, well, you know, I've got, I have a job and a, you know, and I have an apartment and I have a a whole life in Washington that I need to, uh, you know, I need to, pack up my apartment and, and move to New York. And um, so they gave me two weeks. <laughs> and ha- we, we, at this point, you were a college graduate. Out of I had co- graduated from college and um, I go? had been, I yeah. was studied at GW okay. in DC, yeah. um, okay. which had a, you know, a fantastic yeah. journalism program. And, um, you know, it was, I went to school, you know, as a hometown girl. So um, <laughs> that was really great and I made such amazing connections and, and developed such long lasting relationships um, that, that carried me through life actually. But um, yeah, so I so I, you know, sort of packed up my my life and I was commuting to New York and I was, you know, living on my 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 friend, one of my old roommates from GW. Uh, I was living on her couch, you know, uh, Monday through Friday and I was I was working in the production office and then I would jump on the train on Friday afternoon and go back to DC. And I would spend every weekend, you know, sort of packing up my, packing up my stuff and moving everything. And so it took me a couple of months that I was sort of commuting back and forth uh, because the move to New York, as a lot of people know, is, is a big one and finding an apartment and um, just kind of re resituating and, and adjusting your life to, to this 
new city. Um, so I did that for a while and, uh, you know, eventually moved to New York full time while I was working here full time. And, and I spent the next couple of years, um, you know, working for these producers and learning every facet of the business. And I really fell in love with the business of the business. You know, I, I didn't, you know, prior to that point, I was, you know, a, a theater fan and, you know, you know, what you see is going to the box office and going to the show and, and the magic of it all. But I was sort of seeing behind the curtain and mm-hmm. I was seeing how it all works and how it all comes together. And, you know, sitting at the table with these industry leading decision makers and learning not just from their successes, but also at times their failures. Um, you know, I just, I felt like I was just soaking as much in as I could. Um, so that was an amazing experience. And it sort of got to the point where, you know, I would ask to sit in even on meetings where, you know, maybe I didn't have a role or a responsibility, just because I wanted to learn, you know, and it was kind of at a certain point, it was just kind of like, we know, Christina, you want to you want to join this meeting, you know, because (laughs) I just, (laughs) I was, I was enamored with all of it. And, um, you know, I felt like I was kind of getting my master's degree, if you will, um, right there on the spot. So, yeah, it was incredible. And then you got a phone call. Yeah, so (laughs) this was sort of a magical, you talk about lightning bolt moments. You know, I was, I had been working for a couple of years, um, about two and a half years in the industry. And I was starting to think about what would be next for me and what was sort of my long-term plan. You know, I was in my late 20s and I was thinking about my life and building kind of a long-term career for myself and what would that look like and um, sort of where was my next path forward or up the ladder, so to speak. And I loved what these decision makers were doing. You know, they were crafting narratives and they were making decisions about what they thought the next story should be, you know, what what should be told, what would be interesting, what would be commercially viable and how, and how, you know, to sell that show and how to position that show. And um, I loved that, that conversation. And, and I saw myself doing that secretly But to be honest with you, Gerald, I really didn't know that I could make that jump. I didn't know how to make that jump. I didn't know that that was possible. That felt just light years ahead or or above where I was standing in that moment in my career. And it's so weird because it's almost like somebody was hearing my thoughts because, you know, one day I'm sitting at my desk and I get a phone call and... I see it, it goes to voicemail because I had been on a conference call and I, I picked up the message and the message was from one of the producers that I had originally worked for, you know, and he's got, you know, Tony Awards and Drama Desk Awards and I mean, more awards than you can possibly imagine, you know, this really decorated career and um, really prolific producer. And he called me and it was sort of this New York's very sort of old New York story. And he said, you know, hey, kid, when are you going to be done with that marketing stuff and come be a producer? And I just remember listening to that message. And I listened to it a couple of times because I thought, you know, what? And I realized that that this person had seen in me something that I was sort of still secretly discovering about myself. 
And there was something about somebody that I had, had admired and had worked for and had learned from, um, who was, you know, very much a mentor to me. Seeing that in me and sort of that um, recognition, that confirmation, gave me that little extra push to say, okay, I, let me figure this out. Let me figure out, maybe I could actually do this. Um, so I so I went in and I sat down and I talked to him and I met with a number of other industry leaders and decided to launch a production company. On your own? Yeah. Yeah. That's so extraordinary. Thanks. And I love that this producer saw that in you even before you saw it in yourself and gave you that courage. Yeah, I was I was so grateful and so yeah. appreciative, you know, um, because it really gave me the extra push. And and still, I was of course nervous and unsure of how, how what I would need to do and how I would put it together. But it gave me a little bit of a push to say, okay, you know, instead of just thinking about this, start taking the steps to figure out how you could do this. And how I love some of the first shows you produced. I think one of way out of the gate, War Horse at Lincoln Center, the revival of Andy, as you mentioned. And within two years, you expanded into film with the butler. So let's talk about that. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it, amazing. I, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't, you know, I loved the idea of being a film producer and being in the film world. And, um, Again, another situation where, um, you know, I didn't know how I would become involved, you know, and at the time I thought, well, if I'm going to be a film producer, I've got to, you know, move to California and I've got to work for a studio and, you know, get your foot in the door. And, you know, and there were plenty of producers, or at least there were a number of producers on Broadway who did both, right? Produced on Broadway and produced film. There, there were a few, but these were people who were really prolific and had been doing it for years and some of which were based on the West Coast. And so, again, I, I didn't have a framework or a, a frame reference for how I could do it. And um, one day I was I was having breakfast with a, a friend of mine who was also working in the industry and had started producing around the same time that I had. Uh, but he had just done Ides of March with George Clooney. This is um, a friend of mine who eventually became my business partner, Matt Salloway. And we were sitting at breakfast and we were chatting and we'd been talking about, you know, let's find a project to do together, whether it's, you know, Broadway or, um, you know, and I had been asking him about, you know, film work and, um, and he said, you know, there's something kind of interesting that I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, there's this project called The Butler that's um, getting ready to go into filming and they're looking for producers. They're looking for some capital to complete their capitalization. And it's a really interesting project. And, you know, we started talking about it and um, talked about the story, which was this, you know, amazing story about this uh, butler who had worked uh, in the White House over yeah. the course of eight yeah. presidential administrations, um, you know, at, grew up with his family picking cotton on a cotton field and eventually is the lead butler at the White House. And during this kind of amazing time in American history, you know, through the civil rights movement, he was privy to all kinds of internal conversations um, and, and a variety of presidents, right? Whether it be Republican or Democratic administrations, he was just witnessing history. Um, 
at the same time that that he himself in his life he was he was also experiencing history you know on the on the outside of the white house so it was really an interesting sort of juxtaposition um and and i was just blown away by this story because here he has all of these experiences and eventually lives to see the first black president elected into office and I was so moved by this story. And it's a true story. And I was so moved by this. And, um, you know, this was at the end of President Obama's first administration. So this was in 2012 that we were having this conversation. And, you know, I, you know, this amazing blacklist script written by Danny Strong, who, you know, oh. eventually became a really great friend and, um, directed by Lee Daniels and starring Forrest Whitaker and um, Jane Fonda and Oprah Winfrey and the list goes on. I mean, more Oscar winners than you can imagine in this cast. And, you know, it's funny because I, we were having this conversation and uh, and he said, you know, and Oprah Winfrey and, you know, and he, he kept talking and in my head, you know, I'm listening to everything that he's saying, but in my head, I'm like, did he say Oprah Winfrey? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and it's, you know, of course, you know, Oprah's amazing, and I, we all love Oprah, right? But there was also, you know, this Oprah hadn't been in a movie in like twelve years. Um, you know, she like she she was very selective about what she did, and before that, she hadn't been in a film for you know fourteen years before that. So you know, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, Oprah's coming back to acting, um, and all of these other amazing producers or. or cast members are signing on, you know, this is special. And so we were talking and he said, yeah, so, um, you know, they're, they're looking for capital and you'd need to put together, you know, you know, seven figure, uh, number by, uh, by next week. And I just remember looking at him and I said, you know, and I, I'd been, look, I'd been producing, I'd been raising capital and, um, you know, that wasn't, that was something that I was doing, but, you know, he was asking for, for money very quickly. And it was the first time I'd been raised, you know, that I'd raised capital for a film. And, um, and I said, oh, you know, thank you so much, but you know, this is, this is me as a business person, right? I'm, I'm very transparent and I, I am a big believer in setting reasonable expectations. And, uh, you know, and I said, listen, thank you so much, but you know, I, I really, I couldn't commit. To, I really don't know that I could do that. And, um, you know, it's very fast and, uh, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. But, um, you know, let's keep looking. We'll, we'll keep an eye out, catch you on the next one. Right. Kind of a thing. And I went home later that night and Gerald, when I tell you I couldn't sleep, I tossed and turned all night, all night. And something inside said, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You have to find a way this is, you know, I just, I, there was something in my gut that said, you're making a mistake. And so I thought, all right, well, you know, let me just call him and we'll figure this out. And so I, I waited until, you know, a reasonable time to call someone in the morning. You know, I didn't want him to think that I was like awake all night obsessing over this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, first thing in the morning, I picked up the phone and I called him and I said, listen, you know, I know I said no, and I, I don't know what I can do, but can you just give me, can you give me a day? 
you know, can you give me 24 hours? Can you give me, you know, a little bit of time? And he said, yeah, sure. No problem. And so I started making phone calls and I started reaching out. And by that time, next, the following week, not only had I put together the capital that was needed, but I had put together more. And it was this sort of amazing thing where, you know, sort of just, you know, kind of the universe aligned, you know, and what I took from that, Gerald, and something that I've taken with me through the rest of my career is to really pay attention to those gut instincts, you know, um, you know, for me, when something says, you know, you've got to go for this, you know, you've got to give it a try, you've got to, you know, follow through, get more information, whatever it may be, I, I really learned to start listening to my gut instincts. Um, and that's really, that's, that's been to my advantage in my life. And I'm really, I'm grateful for having, having learned that early on. It's so wonderful that you had that sense of trust and it paid off. So how did Kinky Boots come into your life? Well, that was, you know, it's amazing because it it sort of, they happened sort of in succession pretty quickly. Um, So while we were, while we were filming The Butler in New Orleans, uh, it was, I guess, the summer of 2012, um, I got a phone call about this new musical that that was being developed. And, um, you know, Cindy Lauper was writing the score. And it was, again, based on this really cool and inspiring true story. I and love the film so much. <laughs> yeah. I still think of it. Oh, oh it's so it's great. So and you know, I still get I still get people saying to me the same thing, how much they love the film. It really yes. was this incredible sort of indie gem. Yes. And um yeah, so I so I got this call and and I said, you know, sure, I'll ha- happy to take a look at it. And so when I got back to New York, I attended one of the workshops and you know, the sets are built out of plywood and you know, everybody's in their, you know, warm-up gear. Um, at this point, the boots had been constructed. So everybody's in <laughs> leotards and the tall red boots. And, um, you know, and I remember sitting in one of the studios on 42nd Street and seeing this workshop. And I walked out just speechless, um, which is what happens to me. I've noticed when I see something that is just so remarkable that sort of initially, I don't have the words to describe just how special it is. And again, that's sort of another like sort of gut instinct moment that I learned about myself. You know, you sort of learn how you learn how to listen to yourself. And, um, you know, and I, I walked out and I just, I couldn't describe just how, how amazing and how special it was. So, uh, yeah, I, I decided to become a part of the the project, and I signed on as a co-producer. And um, we took the show to um, to Chicago, out of town, and then eventually opened the show in the spring of 2013 on Broadway. And um, you know, it was really interesting because you know we were really lucky because it was a beautiful show, and we knew that we had you know all of the right elements. You had this fabulous base, you know foundational story, a book by Harvey Firestein, Jerry Mitchell, amazing direction, amazing choreography, Cindy Lauper, who, you know, had written this gorgeous score that was mm-hmm. upbeat and fun and joyous, but also like really moving and touching at the same yes. time. So, you know, and this, and this really important story about 
acceptance, acceptance of the self, acceptance of others, you know, the idea that we're all different, but at the end of the day, we're all the same um, and appreciating each other for that. And so we knew we had something really special, but what was really interesting is in the background, while all of this was happening, you had all of the various elements that that were, you know, kind of politically leading to the passing of same-sex marriage legislation. So, you know, in 2012, you had, you know, the reversal of Prop 8. And then in 2013, you had, you know, DOMA and the next piece, which really opened the floodgates for yeah. the eventual passing of, of, of the legislation. And so, it was interesting because we just, we knew we had something special and we knew we had all the right elements from a creative standpoint. But I, I feel really fortunate because here again, just like the butler, um, there was a project that was coming together for me that was also being reflected in what was going on in the world. And, you know, you'd love to be able to have a, a crystal ball and to be able to predict these kinds of things. But what I learned is just to really follow your gut instincts. And, um, and yeah, we were really lucky because the show was well-received and then this legislation was passed and, you know, there was an air of, of acceptance, it, you know, the, that, that feeling of acceptance, that notion of acceptance was in the air and it was part of the conversation and kinky boots was reflecting that. And, and that was mm. amazing. And now, here we are at the cusp of the opening of Six Minutes to Midnight. Let's talk about that and what and how profoundly relevant this film is right now. Oh, thank you. This is um, this is such a special project. You know, I I loved it from the moment that I read the script. Um, you know, this is the uh, the passion project of Eddie Izzard, who um, grew up not far from where the story takes place in the in the south oh, of no. England, um, Bex Hills, and and there's this school that that existed and. Um, it was part of the what they call the the Anglo-German Fellowship, um, this school that was training young girls to speak English. And in the summer of, of 1939, the the students were the daughters of the high-ranking Nazi officials. And England was teaching, you know, we were training them to speak English and become part of English society. And and what we learned in all of our research was that. Um, you know, the Nazis, their, their intent was for these girls to, you know, marry off and, and become part of, of England's high society and be influential um, in, in, in creating, you know, what they had hoped would be an ally in England um, in a bigger way uh, as, as, you know, as Hitler was coming to power. So, you know, it's, it's an amazing story and it's an untold story. A lot of people, you know, are, you know, are, are not familiar with this. And, and Eddie really felt strongly about telling the story. And um, he brought us, he brought our team together, um, you know, and uh, Judy Dench joined us and, you know, Dame Judy, she's, yes. she's so <laughs> incredible, you know, and she's such a gem working with her is just, she's, she's everything that you hope that she would be and more uh, just so lovely and so kind and funny, but she's also, you know, a really grounded 
actress. I mean, she considers herself an everyday working actress, you know, which is journey woman. Yeah. yeah, You know, it's for all of her success. You know, she's so humble and lovely and she comes to work every day, just wanting to do the work and wanting to do good work. And it's so sweet to see her connecting with, we had a lot of young people on this set, as you might imagine, you know, the students of the school Um, and, you know, to see her working with them and talking with them and giving them words of encouragement. And, you know, that's something she doesn't have to do. Um, But she's, she's very grandmotherly that way, you know? Um, So, yeah, so we're, you know, we, we shot the film in Wales um, and, and the film is, come together beautifully and it's going to be out in theaters and on demand at the end of March, March 26th. So we're really excited about it. Isn't there a a story about uh, stay in Wales above a pub? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so funny. (laughs) There is. And it involves Welsh men singing in a pub until, you know, I, you never know what these experiences will bring you, you know, um, all of the sort of side stories, I guess. But so, you know, I had never been to Wales and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to be on set and to watch the creative process come together. And, you know, obviously you're there in a business capacity as well, right. Overseeing the process. And, um, but you never know when you're filming, you know, we kind of know in the business, like you could be staying, you don't know where, and you know, you have to be prepared for anything. And that's, that's part of the fun of it also. Um, and I, you know, we, we were all staying in Wales, but you know, this was a small town and, you know, you don't have big hotels and, you know, lots of uh, rooms for people. And so, you know, between our production and I don't know, I think maybe the Prince of Wales was also in town at the time or something. That's, that's what we had heard. And so between all of us, all all of the hotel rooms had been booked up and, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't find a place to stay and I'd been searching, searching, searching and the production was, was helping me. And finally they said, you know, we've, we found something, but we just want you to be prepared. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, there's a one bedroom above a pub. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's, you know, just want you to be prepared. Like we found you a bed and a place to put your head. Just, we just want you to, you know, and, you know, and I'm like, just grateful to find a place, of course. And so I said, yeah, no problem, no problem. And so I pull up and it's this, you know, this house that had been there for what felt like centuries. And, um, you know, I'm going to the bar, you know, to get my key to my, to my room, you know, and I'm like, well, where's the, you know, where do I check in? You know, American, you know, I'm in my head. I'm thinking, where, where, where do I check in? And they're like, check in love, you know, um, here's your key. <laughs> you know, I'm staying in this pub and I'd come home from sad and, you know, and then of course, you know, around 11, 12 o'clock at night, you know, after many, many pints, I think, had been had by all of the Welsh, you know, these big, you know, amazing but burly guys, you know, downstairs, you know, the singing would start, you know. And so, Um, you know, they they were slinging back pints and singing until the wee hours. And, um, you know, it was just like, such a fun and funny experience, you know, because here you're coming off set with Eddie Izzard and Judy Dench and, and Judy was so kind and lovely. You know, she was like, Oh, I'll have my, you know, 
send my car to come and pick you up. And, you know, and I'm walking out of this like kind of grimy pub in the morning and like Judy Dench is, you know, her, her like very fancy car is showing up to pick you up in the middle of, you know, and you look like you're just rolling out of the pub, you know, and I probably looked <laughs> like it because these guys had been singing all night and, uh, you know, and I'm getting into her like very posh, you know, it looked like a, you know, it's like a Maybach looking, you know, Mercedes in the middle of Wales, you know, and I just remember getting into the car and the driver would kind of look at me and laugh. And I'm like, I know, I know, just thank you for the ride, you know? So, um, just really, you know, it was an amazing experience and, uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I remember when I was, um, really young, right out of college and traveling around around Europe at youth hostels and people said go to the pub because they have the best rooms and yet and you'll get a key and it was the best breakfast ever the best the breakfast totally uh, the best <laughs> breakfast and in fact and I authentic yeah. Oh my gosh, totally. And the people were so lovely. And I think, you know, part of it was, you know, sort of this, you know, American who hadn't spent a lot of time sort of um, <laughs> outside of major cities, even internationally. So, um, but it was, it was great. And the people were lovely and the food was actually fantastic. And we were really lucky yeah. too, because it was, um, you know, Wales, you know, you get a lot of rain and it was the summer and we were lucky because we got the sort of the two to three weeks of of that summer it happened to be a, a dry spell um so we had blue skies and sunshine every day and and you see that reflected yes. in the cinematography of the film yes. and i remember the driver saying to me you know you, you got really lucky like don't get used to this you know this is not what wales is normally yeah. like um so cinem- yeah yeah cinem- cinematically the film is gorgeous and this school is is something out of, dare I say it, almost like a downtown Abbey kind of, I mean, it's just magnificent, the scenery alone, and then you add the story and the intrigue and the thriller part. It's yeah. really exciting. Thank you. you well, let's talk about Worth. Oh. How thrilling the Obamas are involved in their company. What is Worth about, and how did the Obamas get involved? So Worth is, uh, again, another amazing true story um, based on the story of a man by the name of Ken Feinberg, who was um, appointed the um, special master of the 9-11 Victims Compensation Fund. So it was Ken's job in the days and weeks after this tragedy. It was his job to come up with the formula for how funds, government funds, were going to be distributed to the victims' families. And as you might imagine, I mean, to take on that role, you know, this was the greatest tragedy that that we had ever experienced on American soil. And to be having to meet, you know, Connect, meet and connect with these families in the aftermath of this tragedy was just incredible, you know, and and so raw. And people were so hurt, obviously, and devastated and angry and at a loss, you know. Um, and we all have our story of, of 9-11 and where we were, but to have lost a family member unexpectedly and in some cases, um, with certain families, 
you know, to have lost maybe the, the, the breadwinner or the main financial contributor to your household, uh, to lose a spouse, to lose a parent, to lose a loved one. Um, there were so many stories. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That came out of that. And so his story and his experience was just incredible. And and I don't want to give away any spoilers here, but he did write a book about his experience. It's called What is Life Worth? Um, The idea being, you know, how do you attach a value to a human life? And how do you come up with the formula for how that should be how that should be distributed. Um, so the film tells his story and um, playing Ken is Michael Keaton. Um, and also uh, in, in the film is Stanley Tucci and Laura Benanti, who, you know, we all know and love from Broadway and, you know, she, her performance is just sensational. Um, it, it really gives me cold chills to, to watch her in this film. It's it's a real, it's a real standout performance for her. Um, And I'm just so glad that she's a part of it. Um, So, so yeah, so the film tells this incredible true life story and, and how he navigated that experience um, told by this incredible cast. It's, it was a blacklist script, another blacklist script, just like the Butler was. Um, This one was written by Max Borenstein, directed by Sarah Colangelo, who is this incredible female director who did well at Sundance a few years before that with um, Kindergarten Teacher with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. And so it was just this really beautiful project. And so we, we made this, we shot this here in New York, which was also very cool and special. Um, and we took it to Sundance last year and it helped to open the Sundance Film Festival, which was awesome and um, had an amazing experience and, and had, you know, people loved it and it was, you know, recognized as a really special film and, um, and Netflix, Netflix acquired the film and Netflix wanted to buy it and, and put it out. And the Obamas heard about the film and wanted to watch it and they screened it and loved it and said that they wanted to be a part of it. So the film is being released by Netflix in partnership with Barack and Michelle Obama's higher ground productions um, so we're, we've, you know, we're, we're collaborating together to, to release this film and, um, it'll be out in September, which is actually the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So, yeah. For people who might not know, can you describe what a blacklist script So a blacklist script is a script that um, has been reviewed by by peers uh, on in the industry, and um, a number of industry professionals uh, will review and rate the script, and. you know, the, the scripts become rated as part of a ranking system and, you know, get added to the blacklist if, if they meet this rating system. And it's sort of a special recognition that says, you know, this is a really special and well-written piece. Um, and, you know, y- you will often see those scripts either getting made or going on for, you know, with, you know, some sort of, you know, awards contention potentially, or, you know, we don't like to predict these kinds of things because there's so many right. elements that come, but you just know that it's a really, a special story and incredibly well written and, um, and, and well done. 
Can we go back to War Horse, how that happened? I love that production. I still think of the horse and uh, how connected I was to this inanimate being. I know. I was in love with it, too. I mean, you know, everybody who saw it kind of said the same thing. I think we were all just so taken aback, not just by this really special story. You know, you, you, a lot of st- stories have been told about, you know, World War One and World War II, but I always find that the stories um, that are really sort of capturing our attention are these, you know, sort of these stories that you wouldn't inherently think about, right? And, um, you know, the horses of World War One and this yeah. boy and his horse and, uh, you know, how the horse became, you know, a working horse and basically a, a member, you know, of the military and and went off to war and um, and how, how they ended up becoming reunited. Um, yeah. And the horses themselves, as you, I'm sure you remember, you know, they took on a life of their own, you know. Yes. The, uh, the South yes. African puppet company that, that, developed those horses, uh, you know, larger than life-size horses, it took them nine years to develop, um, to, to develop and create the puppetry. Um, and, you know, remember it took you know, three, three puppeteers per horse to, to yeah. operate each horse on stage. And, and it was, I was just, I was so taken aback, you know, within just a few minutes of the start of the show, you know, the horses took on a life of their own and all yes. of a sudden the puppeteers kind of faded into the background yes. and you could see these horses as their own characters. Yes. It was beautiful. And I mean, we're in a very different place now than we were last year entering this year. How do you view, I know nobody has a crystal ball, but how the industry will change. How, how do you see your role in it as well? Yeah, you know, I'm really grateful because I get to cr- help craft the narratives and I get to make the decisions in my, you know, in my business, I, I make the decisions as to which projects I move forward with and which projects, you know, I, I want to see out in the world and, and what subject matter, what storylines I want to see out in the world and, you know, still following my gut instinct and also kind of paying attention to what's going on and, and where the conversation is moving as a society. Um, you know, I think that as a society, we're moving in the direction of, you know, first of all, storytelling is, you know, an age-old tradition and storytelling will always be an important part of our lives and and how we relate to each other and how we understand each other or perhaps understand people who are not like us, you know, um, maybe didn't grow up the way that we did. And, and I really believe that it's a tool for how we can better connect with each other and have more empathy and compassion for each other and understanding. Um, so that's part of what I love so much about storytelling and, you know, and, and theater has a very special, um, you know, there's, there's something really special about theater and live performance. Um, and then, you know, with film and television, the idea that you can, you can reach the masses, you, you can reach the world. It's a medium that's accessed around the planet and now in so many different ways digitally. So, um, so I love, I love all of that. And, and I think, you know, sort of in a post 2020 world, we're, we're really talking about 
And what's really important, I think, is, you know, truthful storytelling. You know, um, I think society is looking for, for to understand more, you know. Um, there's a lot happening in the world and there's a lot happening in our country. And, you know, storytelling allows us to have conversations um, and allows us to kind of grow and evolve. Um, so... So wonderful. I look forward to more stories from you, Christina Papajika. Thank Aww. you so much. Gerald, thank you so much. It's always such a pleasure talking to you. And pleasure. I'm really hoping that we can, you know, see each other in person when all of this is all of this is out and done and um, you know, get back to seeing great theater and um, yeah. you know, really uh get back to all of the the in-person stuff that that we all love and enjoy amen to that <laughs> thank you again thank you gerald thank you so much take good care yeah you too happens every day when lightning strikes it's the moment you know the theme song was written by tom mcgovern this episode was edited by kyle moore and the talent was booked by Anna Stroud. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.